today. Introduce yourselves. Um, I'm Barrett Holmes Pittner. I'm Kurt Bob. I'm not going to use my middle name. Oh, I always use my middle name. <laughs> and uh, these gentlemen are both part of the uh, Sustainable Culture Lab, a new think tank in uh, Washington, D.C. And uh, these two gentlemen are the uh, academics and great minds behind uh, you know, the reintroduction of Ethnocide and Ethopia, which uh, Ethnocide we talked about last week. Yep, but, yep. Uh, Barrett, you know, introduce us to this new topic now of Ethopia. What is that and how does it play into Ethnocide? So, you know, ethnocide, it's, it, ethnocide's a really heavy topic, and once people start thinking about ethnocide, it can get you, it can get you down, and people start to wonder, how do you counter it? What's, what's the response? If you recognize that you live in a place that does a lot of ethnocidal things, what do you do? How do you fix it? And so part of the d solution or dilemma for me was after I, I recognized ethnocide, I had to create the response. I had to enable and empower people to do things to dismantle ethnocidal structures. And um, since America is an ethnocidal place, that template wasn't just gonna organically appear within America because we're based on doing ethnocidal things. So everything's gonna have an ethnocidal connection. So I had to create something new. And so from that, I, I looked at I looked at like Greek words to try to figure out what a word that I could make. And when people talk about like a perfect society, the word we use a lot is utopia. But the word utopia, it's it's a kind of a like a satire. It's a bit of a joke because the the gentleman Thomas More who wrote the book Utopia in the 1500s, he got the Greek word for place, which is topos or topia. And then he got two Greek prefixes. One is EU and one is OU. And EU means good. And OU means non-existent. And so he just took off the E and the O and just added the U to topos or topia to make good place that doesn't exist or non-existent good place. And that's what a utopia was. And so I felt that as people historically like in Europe the West have tried to make good places we've tried to make utopias and but utopias by definition can't exist so I figured let's try to make evtopias because the EU you can pronounce it with a with a V that because that's just how the pronunciation of Greek words have evolved so I uh, to counter an ethnocidal place or an ethnocidal philosophy I felt we needed to create good places and have a philosophy that's based around good. Now, there's a second component to, to good, and this is a key distinction. There's a, a, a subjective, kind of like individual good, and then there's like a collective objective good. And so when, I, when you think of an individual good, the example I like to give a lot is like food. Um, I, like, I don't like bananas. So for me, a banana doesn't taste good. That doesn't have any bearing as to whether a banana is or isn't good. People can still tell me that a banana is good for you because if I eat it, it's healthy, it'll sustain me, it will allow me to live, it's not poisonous. I can still think it tastes bad. 
you know? Right. But if that banana sits outside for you know, a week or whatever and turns brown, people can then tell me that banana is no longer good. It's bad. It would be bad for me to eat because if I eat it, it'll make me sick. It would be now better to use it as compost, and that's the way that it can be used in a good, sustainable way. So in the collective understanding of good, it's not like an emotive whether I like something or not. It's like, is this sustainable? Is this something that will keep me and people and things that I care about alive? Will it sustain it? And so when we're thinking of like doing evtopian or good things, there's definitely like part of it that can make you feel good, but you also have to think about it in like the long-term sustainable way of doing good things that you can repeat over and over again to, to create good things, to create good feelings, to create sustainability. And so that's how I feel as a, a the the philosophy of countering ethnocide because ethnocide is all about exploitation, very short term. You're not really thinking about it sustaining other people. You're thinking about exploiting them. Um, and so that's that's the the empowering philosophy that works in tandem with the the realization of the oppressive, exploitative one that we've been living in for a long time. <laughs> quite the definition, right? <laughs> Ten pages. <laughs> Sorry about, you know, it's complex. Thomas More. Oh, that dude. <laughs> Thomas More wrote the book Utopia. Dope, dope, dope. Now, Kurt, you now, after it being introduced to this concept, have now kind of, you've lived your life one way, and you've always had this philosophy, and now you have like a definition, and now you see where like you can like integrate this into your life, and like you're carrying it with you. So like, how... Jeez. Um, I think I have Ftopia. It's it's a big word, right? Like it's not a big yeah. word, but it's it's not a common word you would use. I think I've always practiced what people would call Ftopian ways or an Ftopian lifestyle because I think it starts for me it's like understanding what's important to me. I've always took time to understand what was important to me and to my family. And, and by important, I mean what's going to like sustain me and my family and do good, right? Not just good on like, oh, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing so that my child feels good or so that my wife feels good. It's like, no, I'm going to do this thing so that or I'm going to live a certain way so that it builds, not destroys. Like my actions are building blocks, not like destructive forces. Um, so when Barrett and I started talking, you know, like we would go down the rabbit hole on ethnocide. And I think, I don't remember when it was, but I was like, Barrett, like, we need to do some more Eftopian shit. <laughs> not, not like, basically. So like Kurt's a ph photographer and he would. He, he, we started talking about ethnocide, he'd show me his, his photos, and he's like, man, this is like, this is ethnocidal, and he'd go to some, do a shoot, and be like, man, there was so much ethnocidal stuff happening, I hadn't thought about it. And so it kept on building and building and building, and then it, one day, I think it kind of like it broke him. It was like, I just see ethnocide everywhere I go, and it's making me sad. He's like, you know, I'm like, I'm from the Caribbean, I'm used to having like, happy stuff, and this is like, getting me. And so, and, but it, it's, so Evtopia, even though I think, like he said, he's accustomed to thinking that way, having the word 
helps kind of focus a little bit and it, it was a nice foil after like having a word to define like the sadness that you had already seen. Yeah, and it, it's, it's, I have this belief that anything you focus on will amplify, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I focus on my armpit stinking, it's gonna stink all more. damn day more and more and more. And you know, we have this, we, we have this way in, in where I'm from, I'm from Guyana, which is like not Ghana, but it's in South America geographically South American, only English-speaking country on the continent of South America, but culturally, we identify with the Caribbean and the West Indies. I hate to call it the West Indies. It's the Caribbean after the Indians. <laughs> but, um, you know, we have this thing, man, where, like, we don't have much. We, we Like, our whole shit is ethnocidal. I like to think that anywhere that is that is experienced colonization is now just experiencing like rampant ethnocide, right? But luckily, we have been able to hang on to pieces of our culture that still define like how we see life, how we wake up in the morning, how we go to sleep at night, how we brush our teeth, how we eat food, all these things that are, that this thing called culture helps us define and. You know, every year people flock to like Trinidad, which is our neighboring country, to participate in carnival. Yeah. Carnival is nothing more than straight up Eftopian shit. Like, mm -hmm. it is. You, yeah. you, you, you get naked, you get drunk, and you dance in the streets. Right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> I think. You know, after coming to America, I think I've been here for like 20 years, you know, Barrett's work helped me identify some of the things that I've always felt like, this shit just weird. Yeah, like, This is a different kind of weird though, right? Mm -hmm. Because one of the things, people, I remember a few years, I was like, I need to move to America. And they were like, people would say, well, where do you want to move to? I was like, anywhere that I'm not a minority. Yeah. You know? Because I, I felt this thing and, and that can now be articulated the ethno side. And you know, I would make these photographs, just uncommissioned work, street photography, I would travel and I would I would I would you know I feel a lot of things, like I feel and I see yeah. feelings, which is weird, but I, I love that I that I can able to do it because it it's it's a higher level of presence for me. Right? It's not just being in a space and sharing air and everything else with someone. Like I actually can catch a vibe, as we would say. Mm -hmm. And being able to articulate, you know what? Today I'm going to go do, like let's say, let's say I travel somewhere and I just did a bunch of like ethnocidal, like everyday ethnocide work where I'm just making photographs of ethnocide in everyday life. I now have a philosophy and a word thanks to like my conversations with Barrett's and our collaboration where it's like, yo, I'm gonna switch gears and I'm gonna do some Ftopian shit, you know? And I think, again, it, there's this impediment that we have where our thoughts, our thoughts and, and emotions need words and ways to articulate and manifest. And that's kind of where I practice Ftopia. And I like to say, people are like, oh, well, you know, why do you take pictures? And I say, well, I don't think, I don't think people look at pictures to ever feel bad. I don't know that there's one human being that's like, let me go look at some pictures so I can feel like shit. No one outwardly looks to do something. 
No, I mean, yeah, right. it, it, right. that's just not in our nature, you know. So my, my, my practice in photography is, is totally uh, eftopian for me because it, it, it brings me joy. And I think in, if you want to talk about sustainability, I always say, man, like stories that will sustain cultures and people and our race and, and my photographs and the photography and the people that I engage with as a result I'm giving them something, I'm sharing something with them that they're able to like take forward and sustain their story and their culture and yada yada yada. Yeah. You mentioned how like in your role as photography, like it could be ethnocidal. Like give me some examples of how photography is ethnocidal and kind of working against that. Well, photography I I would say if if that's what I said, let me rephrase it. I can say that I encounter a lot of everyday ethnocide. Where it's just like manifestations of this what do you want to call it practice or philosophy yeah it's it's both it's uh, you know just yeah a it's crime a, huh you want to call it a crime no well ethnocide yeah no so it's all of those like it's definitely like a crime it's a practice it's a philosophy and i think one of the the key things is if you're from a place that engages it or an ethnocide or is based on ethnocide some derivation of ethnocide people are going to articulate as being a good thing. And so there's lots of people that will have the best intentions and they mm-hmm. think that they're going to go to some place and take photos, but like they're taking photos. They're going they're there. Not making photos. Right. They're not making photos. They're mm-hmm. taking photos. They're going to they get to some place and they're going to take some image of someone suffering and then they're going to use that to profit themselves and not benefit or the or the or the photo tells a narrative that's beneficial to no one apart from like the photographer and that's really not like an equitable exchange of culture or you know necessarily an accurate representation of what's going on and the and it's like if you don't have the, the language such as ethnocide or ectopia to like focus your thoughts and your action it's really easy to kind of fall back into what your societal norm is and if the place you live is ethnocidal like America like the norm is to go to some place exploit them for some capacity and feel totally empowered to articulate the benefit of you exploiting others and that just manifests itself in many ways including photography mm. yeah I think Kurth agrees <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know that it was up for agreement or disagreement it's just words um, yeah, look, I, <clears throat> I think, I think we think too much. I think we think too much. I Who's think we? People. You, me, uh, right now, we as the three of us. Oh, I don't think I think too much. Fair enough. <laughs> Why do you say we think too much? Because I, I. And this, we can go into the book, right? Yeah. So I think, not I think, the way Americans are very thought-centric, right? Very thought-centric. And it's, it's, I think it comes with our desire to always be Right or to, to feel like we understand, feel like we understand, right? Um, and I say we think too much because 
we spend all this like energy thinking about things, trying to get to an understanding and a conclusion outside of just like living it. You know what I mean? Like, I see it every day, man. I, a lot of times when I work with people, everyone's like, oh, like, I'm in front of the camera, I'm scared shitless. I'm like, that's because you're thinking. You're thinking about how you look, you're thinking about what I'm gonna do, you're thinking about how to, fo you're thinking about like, how this photograph is gonna look. And I can see you thinking, and the photograph is gonna look like you thinking. And that's what I mean when people think too much. It's like, oh, I don't think like that. <laughs> Touche. I don't, I don't, Touche. I don't, yeah. Again, right? Now, you, 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 I like to think, I, I do a lot of, photography for me is almost meditative. Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's a, I put, my, I put myself in a state, am I being in a state where I'm just open? Like I shut everything down. And I want to capture the the little magic of life. Yeah, the magic, the magic of life, right? Like I want to peel back all the bullshit because all my thoughts are are like a for me like a combination of experiences and ideas, and it's just like that's all I'm cooking with, right. you know. So if I know that that's all I'm cooking with, and I know that I live in a freaking ethnocidal society, right? then I don't want my expression to always taste like ethnocide. Right. You want yeah. to be different. Yeah, no, I, I, I think the way in which Americans and, you know, I'm guessing a bunch of other places do too, I'm just not from those places, They people think in a way in which they're detached from society or from the world and that a lot of what matters are their feelings and not their actions. And so people, I think, spend a lot of time trying to think themselves into feeling good, where, like, good is just a thing that exists, and it's not a thing that you create. Like, right. you know, like, in the United <laughs> States, we have people, you know, we're famous for people having the pursuit of happiness, as if, like, happiness yeah. is this thing that's, like, 12 miles down the road, yeah, and, you just, you get, and you just have to get there. And then once you get there, happiness exists there. You know, you could say, like, Christianity and so many religions, the notion is like when you're dead, you get to live in like happy place. You know, like right. happiness is a thing that exists that's separate from you and you just have to find it. When I think it's something you have to figure out how to create, it's an action. And so you then you think and then you do. And then, you know, sometimes you feel bad, but that's fine. You just have to keep on acting and creating stuff to make happiness or joy or courage and if you want you can end up creating destruction and sadness and all sorts of stuff like that but like there are things that you make and if you feel that the stuff you want is something that's like down the road that you have to find your thoughts are going to get you nowhere because you won't ever be able to think yourself happy as if as you passively do things not be consistently it's going to be a fleeting thing it's it's, it's always going to be right. ephemeral Right. Back and forth between emotions. Right. And so if you think and acknowledge that the stuff you like are things that you cultivate and create via like consistent practice, then you're not going to think too much because you're going to just do the stuff that you know makes what you want. Right. And you no, know, that's not a guarantee 
you know, sometimes the stuff people want is just like not attainable, you know, especially if it's some sort of monetary compensation or like a, a job promotion or something like that. But, you know, meditating, going on runs, eating, you know, proper, like those are all things that you can do every day that are, you know, a manifestation of thinking and creating good things, you know. Anyway, so I, I think a lot of Americans, and so in many ways, Kurt is really correct in how people overthink, but it's because, like, they're trying to think themselves happy by passively, like, not doing stuff to make themselves happy. And so now it's just like a, a vicious cycle where you think, you feel happy, yeah. and then it goes away two seconds later, and then you gotta think again and think again. It's like, <clears> it's just <throat> a waste. That's the only way you could find center. Right. Because everything else is just going to make you sad. Or right. You off or lose basically what's just bringing you down. I was looking at or reading something, and this guy said, he's a, he's, a, he's a yogi, and he said that the issue is we have all these fucking beliefs, right? And when, like, he was like, the problem, in his opinion, with human nature is that we come to these conclusions. And as we live, we'll realize that life bumps up against all of our conclusions and all of our beliefs. But we hang on to them so tightly because we believe that our beliefs and our, our conclusions are us. Mm-hmm. And we hang on to them so tightly and so greatly that we end up fighting life because we want to sustain us. But that's not us. Right, it's a fucking a, belief. Right. That's just another, And so this is a, an, a, an interesting example of the, of the importance of language because... That right there is the same thing as existence preceding oh, essence. Right. But so like a French person ha- that has, you know, like Jean-Paul Sartre, he has these words, these experiences. And so he's going to articulate, you know, this dynamic with existence precedes essence. Somebody else on the other side of the world that has a different language, a different cultural history is going to look at the same thing and articulate it differently because they don't have the same words or experiences to pull from, even though the conclusions are the same. But like, what we're really talking about is that life is constantly in flux. And it's always going to be some sort of a struggle. You like, you have to do stuff all the time in order to survive. That in in and of itself is struggle, you know? Um, And so due to people, most people not liking, acknowledging that basic struggle that's always there they want to define themselves or find some belief or whatever that's static it's always going to be true that they don't have to like look at it and think about struggle it can be like an escape a relief from existence like race like well yes (laughs) (laughs) exactly like the united states the united states it's a it's a it's a key example where like race is a thing that europeans especially in the context of the colonization, created in order to, pers- to keep their European white essence. The thing that defined them and makes them who they are is how they appear physically. And we have to do everything we can to keep that. So like if we're in an environment and there's you know a bunch of European looking people and then a whole bunch of other people surrounding Europeans that are darker and if Europeans mix with them, they'll no longer look as if they're from like England or Scandinavia or wherever, they're going to be willing to murder and destroy all of these people 
in order they can keep that essence because that that skin color is what defines them as a person and they struggle to comprehend how they could live or exist if they look differently. Like that's clearly a prioritization of essence before existence. And once you're <laughs> willing to like destroy and kill people to sustain just like some like insecure idea, some like weird definition you've thrust upon yourself or a whatever, belief. you now are like capable of doing like unimaginable amounts of damage. A belief, and, and it, it's um, very, it, and it makes ethnocide. Yeah, yeah, straight up, and like I would share things with Barrett, like, "Yo, good morning, Ethiopian. This is what I'm doing." Like, I think I shared a song. She was like, "This song describes the the deception of essence, right?" Mm-hmm. Where I don't. What was he? What was the song? I don't know. You share songs with me like every morning. It was. Um, I think the song was called. Uh, I look through our text. It was a Damian Marley song, and it was. It was. I think the the song is called. Um, looks are deceiving, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like looks are deceiving. Don't you underrate yourself? Your existence is a must. Mm-hmm. And like I consume stuff like that constantly, simply to bat like. To battle when I open fucking Google News, <laughs> right? Or like I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I like slip on a banana peel. I'm like, oh, Trump's president. Like, wait, yeah, he yeah, is. Like, yeah. that's normal. That's supposed to happen here. Right. And I think I consciously try to not slip on banana peels in America because otherwise, like, everything would be broken. My spirit, right. my body, everything. Right. And so I almost feel like I have to operate like my feet literally can't touch the ground yeah you have to operate above things yeah right like this is the conversation we were so uh one thing that's interesting about kurth and i i find this with frankly almost anyone that has been raised outside of america and like lives here is that the 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 bs that it is just the united states and like the structures we've created it starts to break people and someone that's from another country has the capacity to, a greater capacity, I'd say, to just like call us on the bullshit and use their more stable cultural foundations as the rebuttal. Where it's like, they're doing something here in America, that's crazy. I know something better to do, and I'm just gonna do that instead. Or you know, Canadians do that to us all the time. Right, time. exactly. <laughs> you know, you know the, like the amount of like uh, black people from the Caribbean who they get to America and now like they hang out with a lot of Caribbean people. Not just because, not because like they they're saying other people are bad or whatever per se, but it's like, yo, I need a break from the United States, and I can get a collective break if I'm hanging out with a bunch of people exactly. from. Exactly. It's an ease, man. It's, it's an ease. Right. It's, it's, it's a logical thing to do. It, yeah. makes, it makes sense. There's nothing wrong in, in the slightest. But I'm, I'm just super, I'm just American. Like, I'm here all the time. Like, I've, I'm only from here. I just have a weird perspective, I guess. Like, I see things slightly differently than a lot of people. But I only know a world governed by ethnocide. Right. Like, I've gotten, like, when, via traveling, going to other places, I get smatterings of other cultural structures, but those cultures are foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Like, for me to use those as the rebuttal to the United States, I would need to know way more about them. I just get, I get, like, the sprinklings and whatever. And so, Kurth is, is helpful because he 
is more comfortable tapping into Evtopian things because he has a greater familiarity to it. And so he has to, he reminds me pretty regularly to try to do some Evtopian stuff. Yeah. Um, because it's it that is actually like a foreign concept for me. It's it's easier for me to feel comfortable being sad. Because yeah. and like to the point where like sad doesn't even seem like it's sad. It just seems like it's normal. It's normal. And you know what what's interesting about you saying that because as I've been hearing you guys talk, I've been thinking about this idea of stoicism and how stoicism is like just the acceptance of the world and how it's gonna be and how I need to move through it. And I hear it from both of you guys because for Barrett, I hear stoicism in the sense of it's sad, it's going to be sad, it's going to perpetually be sad, and I just live within this space. But what I hear from you, Kurt, is that there are, even though accepting of this stoic uh, philosophy and looking out at the world in this way, you can still actively balance the good in your life. Or the yeah. I, like, still, still put yourself above all the bullshit. Like, one way it's like I'm accepting of the bullshit, and I just. Here's what I'm accepting of yeah. I'm accepting of the fact that there's bullshit, and then there are roses. What do I want to smell every day? I want to smell roses. I don't want to smell shit. <laughs> like, it's everywhere around me. So I have to, I have to consciously not smell shit. Right, mm-hmm. and that, and I think that is, that's the American experience for me. It's like, yo, you know, it's raining. Fuck, it's raining. But guess what? I also have like five layers of clothes. I'm not gonna get wet all the way through. Yeah. But the the key thing we're talking about is when you're referencing stoicism, like that's a philosophy that Greek people made to help them cultivate goodness and stability with like in their society while bad things were happening. Right. And so it's not like there are plenty of people I'm assuming that lived in Greece that suffered and felt that there was no way for them to rectify that problem and didn't have the philosophy of stoicism to help them make good things. Right. Like the United States, we're, we're honestly talking about like a, the existence prior to stoicism, where people don't know how to articulate what the suffering is. They just feel it, they'll show it with photos, and they haven't developed a philosophy to help them acknowledge that it exists. But this is how you can thrive and persevere and build good stuff from that. Like. That's that's the, the issue. So what we're talking it, about really is just a lack of philosophy. Right. There's the no sense of having a philosophy. Right. Because like philosophy, you know, the word itself just means loving wisdom. And um, if you live in an ethnocidal place that's based around exploiting people, exploiting the land, you know, a lack of trust, you know, lots of, you know, deception you then aren't going to have a society that actually values wisdom. Wisdom will undermine the stability of the place that you live. So you, there, there is no structure that's going to encourage the development of philosophies. Like if it is, philosophy will be this thing that's like in some academic ivory tower that like only rich people can derive any sort of benefit from it and it's just this thing over here that it doesn't shake society 
most places have philosophical concepts, philosophies that are so ubiquitous with their daily life that they wouldn't even articulate it as philosophy. It's just like, this is just how we live. But that normally derives from one person or a collection of people coming up with a way to persevere through suffering and helping people live fulfilled, fulfilling lives. And like one of the more easy ways that can be imagined and then it just sticks and it manifests for hundreds and hundreds of years and so so stoicism is just you know a the way that the greeks decided to try to do it and then you know at some point the you know the romans opted to go for christianity like a little while later and they defeated the stoics as the big philosophy that was governing europe and you know we kind of it's yeah and so anyways like Stoicism's important. Uh, the key thing for you know uh, societies that are built on destruction is creating the space to cultivate philosophical ideas, words to articulate it that empower people to cultivate stability and sustainability, and not uh, exploitation and destruction which you know you can't get rid of destruction or exploitation like as a whole but if you create structures that people can do to cultivate the opposite it can make life more uh, fulfilling and rewarding and you know just good dope, dope, dope. so let's let's wrap up our conversation today um, Kurt you mentioned that you have Aetopian practices you sing a song or you do some things for folks to make yourself feel that good uh, give our audience maybe a Aetopian practice that you think they could take on and enhance their lives. Well, the biggest Aetopian practice for me is to detach from my thoughts because at a very basic level, every time I feel like doing something Aetopian, there's a thought that's like, nah, don't go run in the morning. Don't smoke that spliff. Don't take that picture. I think it's... Uh, for me, I, I, I literally have to just remember that I'm free. Because you th- I personally, my, my thoughts are always in the background like jingling shackles. Yep. Like, clank, clank, clank. Don't go run. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. clank, clank, clank. Yeah. And it's like, look, man, like I'm free, like I'm, I'm a spirit and, and I have this fleshy body that I have to take care of, but I have to take care of this spirit as well. And this spirit, you know, helps to guide this body in this, this physical world. And uh, yeah, like you just gotta, you just gotta be, this may be like grandiose as hell, but I am, I think of myself as free, mm-hmm. like anything that any thought, idea, or, or, or object in the world that challenges that notion, I, 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 I actively... No, I engage with it. I engage with it, and I let it pass through me, and I reject it. Because if I don't engage with it, it's just, like, it's just there. It's like not engaging with the mice in your house. Eventually, yeah. you're just going to have a bunch of rats. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it. Dope, man. Well... Awesome conversation today. You don't want to hear my Eftopian stuff? 
Unbelievable. I just lit. Oh my god. I can't. You that's, do Ftopia, Barrett? That's unbelievable. You I, do Ftopia? Even if I don't, I was expecting the question. <laughs> that is outrageous. Barrett, do you have an No. <laughs> no, no. No, I no, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm horrible at doing Evtopian stuff at this point, but I try hard to be to do it because it's a weird thing. We're talking about a word that I created to counter the other word that I like found slash created. So like I have to make sure that I do it yeah. to like show that it's real to you a certain practice extent. What you preach. A hundred percent. And so I just kind of go through the struggle of practicing. So, you know, sometimes I'll get, I'll I'll write like a, like a daily, like a positive note when I wake up in the morning and then I'll like, I'll slip up and I won't do it for like a week or whatever. And then I get back to it, but it's like, it's in the back of my mind, but all the time of trying to cultivate more Evtopian things. It's, you know, it's a, it's a practice. I'm going to mess up, but I work to cultivate it. But the thing I think that keeps me wanting to think about it, it's not just that like I made a word, therefore like I gotta do it. Is I I legitimately I think, and and I think Kurth is a great example. I think the word helps other people. Oh, for sure. And, you gotta show people that you can live the dream. Right. And so like if this if there's this thing that I came up with that I can see it helping other people, I have to practice it as much as I can and grow for the benefit of other people and not just myself because to a certain degree it's not that hard to just be yourself and only think about yourself like that's real easy like Mm -hmm. once you're once you get older than maybe like 17 like you kind of figure out how to just be yourself and not really worry about other people from that point on now everything you do is kind of figuring out how you can, can we, like... Can we preface that with in America? In America, and right. In my experience. Yeah, very good point, because right. I only know America. That's not a universal truth. Right. <clears throat> in America, we're very self-centered. We, t- we, we try to just tell people to think about themselves, and that level of thinking, you don't really need to think much more about that once you're older than maybe 17. From that point on, a lot of your thoughts are about like how do you work with and create space to have more people in your world and how your actions shape like uh, a shift because of those people and so like my world that i think i'm cultivating intentionally or unintentionally you know might incorporate a lot of people that like the stuff that i say and if that's the case i got to make sure that i practice what i'm doing for the benefit of other people too and so that's that's so, so I try. I'm not sure if I'm good at it yet, but I, I try as hard as I can. Yeah, I think um, one of the, one 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 of my one of my observations of just life is that we spend a lot of time trying to be good at things. Mm-hmm. Like we try to like, I have this conversation with someone who's very close to me where they want to do something, but they gotta figure out how to do it before they do it, mm-hmm. right? And again, it goes back to that whole idea that happiness is fleeting or like over there. Yeah. And we got to figure out how to get to happiness, right? I have to get good. You got to get, right. Mm-hmm. And Barrett, I think we talked about this. Like, yo, your work, all you do is ethnocide. Like people pay you to talk about ethnocide. All day. All day long. Like that's your, that's your livelihood. Living it. 
right? Like, that's your livelihood. Yeah, yeah. Like, I read your work, and I'm like, this dude is knee-deep in ethnocide. <laughs> My livelihood is Ethiopian. People come to me to make beautiful photographs of them and the photograph memories in their life and to help them sustain. Right. So naturally, we're going we're gonna to kind of... You know, balance. Balance. And I gotta and, make him a bit sadder. Yeah, sometimes. like some days I see Barrett's <laughs> legs and I'm like, I'm so sad. Like people are starving in America. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna talk about Kurt's big head, but good one. Good one. But no, Anyways. I mean but but Ugh. but again again I'm it's lean. like and then we can we can really quick like but this is what community is about though. Absolutely. Right? This is community on a very small scale, but like Barrett comes in and he talks to me about stuff and I listen and I talk to him about stuff and we listen and then like we, we digest that digest that then we text each other and we you know we, we build we right, build, right, you build it's right. never it's never we I don't think we've ever destroyed anything you know with with what we're doing no I don't I don't we no there's no it's it's understood that neither one of us has any desire to exploit another person each other. Yeah. And yeah. if we end up doing something at some point that could be exploitation, I, b- both of us are empowered to say, "Yo, that ain't that ain't cool. This is this is a That's problem. bad faith. That's bad faith. Okay. Fix that." <clears throat> and we and we do it. So, I, one important thing about community is the capacity to tease, because you know, oh, my head joke is coming. No, it is because we tease in here. But like, that's the thing. Like, if you live in a place where you know that the the philosophy of the people you engage with is to build you up and to create sustainable good, you know that they're gonna tease you, but they're not gonna use that perceived weakness that they're teasing as a way to exploit you or harm you. So like, Kurth every other day, if I wear shorts, he's like, "Man, them dudes' legs are like, what's happening?" Like, People how are starving do, in America. He, yeah, like <laughs> you, how many? You need to go to do leg day at the gym, you know. Right. But then Kurth shows up and he puts on like a bicycle helmet, and I recognize that his head is just massive, and so I make fun of his head being super big every day, like because it's funny when you see him. His head doesn't look gigantic. It looks. It just looks like a regular That's person's head. That's because I hold it high, you know. It's something. I don't know what he does, but it doesn't look like it's huge. It looks like it's proportional to his body. But then he puts like a hat on. You're like, holy crap! Like this is a massive head. It like it's got like a gravitational force on it. Like it it's does. huge. It has its own but, orbit. But anyways, we know that like I'm not going to view Kurth as like a lower caliber of an individual because he has a gigantic head. And he's not gonna. I know that he's not gonna view me as a as a lesser person because I'm skinny. Because we have a philosophy that tries to create Evtopian stuff and not ethnocidal, where we were dividing and exploiting the other person. And we simply don't base our relationship on our essences. Like my big asset is part of my essence. His legs are part of his <laughs> essence, right? It's like we both at a very foundational level, respect each other's existence. Right. And we try not to operate in bad faith. Right. 100%. Straight up. Cool. Awesome. Well, this has been another episode of Bad Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Bakari Knight-Ibrahim. I'm joined by... Barrett Holmes-Pittner. And... Kurth Andre Bob. <laughs> My middle name French, yo. <clears throat> Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Andre we can make it America and call it Dre. 
Do whatever you want. It's your middle name, man. <laughs> this episode of Bad Faith Podcast was produced in partnership with Candor Labs. To learn more about production with Candor Labs, log on to candorlabs.com. That's candor with two A's.